Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Dominic Cummings suggests that there is photographic evidence of last year's Christmas parties at number 10, mainly because he's got it all in a brown paper envelope labelled Revenge. Early studies suggest that the new Omicron variant of coronavirus escapes the immune response and may lead to a huge wave of hospitalisations in January. In response, the government are reportedly considering Plan C measures, during which everyone in the country would receive 12 Pfizer boosters. This will free up enough fridge space in the nation's pharmacies for the Prime Minister to hide in. Keir Starmer says Boris Johnson is not fit for office, as new polls show Labour taking a six-point lead against the Tories. It appears that the electorate may finally be realising that not all politicians are the same, mainly because if Keir Starmer threw a Christmas party, it's unlikely that 40 people would come. And finally, the bomb squad rushes to Gloucestershire Royal Hospital as a man is admitted with a live World War II-era artillery shell inserted in his rectum. They quickly rolled up their sleeves, got their hands dirty, and successfully defused the situation. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News. As is tradition, we've taken a break for a single week, which has resulted in some of the biggest stories of the last six months immediately breaking. I would just like to assure all of our listeners, however, that our week off was a working holiday. At no point did we throw a party, and all Covid regulations were followed at all times. No rules were broken, but we will nevertheless be launching an investigation into whether or not the party that definitely didn't take place did in fact take place, and that investigation will find out for definite whether or not the rules that definitely weren't broken did in fact get broken at the party that definitely didn't, but may have, in fact, definitely taken place. And those answers will be definitive, because we are definitely appointing an independent investigator who definitely wasn't at the party that definitely didn't take place, although we can't answer for definite as to whether or not he did in fact not attend the party that definitely didn't but may or may not have definitely happened, where the rules were definitely not broken. We apologise profusely for the unpleasant video we all saw where that lady was joking about a thing that definitely didn't happen, and it definitely won't happen again, even though it turns out that it may or may not have definitely happened again six or seven times at six or seven other parties that definitely didn't happen, but may or not have definitely broken the rules that definitely weren't broken. Phew, I hope that clears things up. Tell you what, we're definitely not firing that press officer of ours. Not when the messaging is that precise. We'll get back to the Downing Street party scandal a little later on, but we start tonight with this noise. (coughs) Turns out that the soothing light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic may in fact have been a plague-riddled freight train coming our way. The Omicron variant looks to be the worst thing that's come out of South Africa since Oscar Pistorius, and it definitely appears to have more legs. 
In just two short weeks, we've gone from travel bans to exponential growth right here in the UK, and the panicked reintroduction of restrictions designed to mitigate its spread. Joining us in the studio today to discuss the introduction of Plan B measures and the Omicron variant in general, it's our resident epidemiologist and Facebook conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe. Now look, Danny, before we start, I imagine you've got a lot to say about all of this. So before this gets unnecessarily adversarial and you do something rash, like set another coked-up fighting rooster on me, I'm going to concede right now that there are going to be people out there who agree with you on this story. You are bound to be far from the only person in the country right now who believes that these new measures are nothing but a diversionary tactic designed to pull focus away from certain other stories that have been in the news this week. Well, it's very big of you to admit that I'm right, Sam. And in the interests of peace between us, at this, the time of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, I've bought you a Christmas present. Here you go, pal. Oh, right, thanks. It's, um, it's a spoon. That's right. So you can eat my whole ass. I fucking told you so, you establishment simp. This is it now. This is your fucking life. The new world order are here to stay. It'll be a new variant every six months. Take your jabs, shut your mouths, get back in hiding and be good, obedient little peasants, as we strip you of your freedoms and bleed you dry. And I bet you're fucking grateful for it too, aren't you? You little bitch, Sam. You little bitch. Oh, good. It's going to be like this, is it? Like what, Sam? Like I was right all along, you mean? Like everything I ever said about vaccine passports and mandatory jabs and medical apartheid is now coming true right in front of your stupid, naive face? Is it like the scales have fallen from your eyes, Sam? Is it like that? Is it? Yeah, look, Danny, there's been a lot of this from the conspiracy theorist camp this week and quite a lot of it in my voicemail inbox as well. Thanks for that, by the way. It was a lot of swearing. You're fucking welcome. But that doesn't change the fact that this new variant is, potentially, a cause of concern that may redirect the whole course of this pandemic. It's still very early days, though, so a certain level of caution until we learn more, surely, is the only sensible course of action. Aha! I see you coming at me with the cold intellectual rigour of the pragmatist, Sam. I'll return your tone in kind and counter you thus... Point one, fucking nope, and point two, go fuck yourself with a rusty wire brush, you absolute pussy. When are you going to accept this is a never-ending cycle of hysteria and oppression? Plan B is nothing more than a smoke grenade, hurled in the face of yet another scandal, clouding our eyes from the truth. Or, alternatively, the timing of this is certainly very convenient for Boris Johnson, but that doesn't actually ameliorate the real danger that Omicron may yet pose to our vulnerable population and health service. So when does it fucking end, Sam? When do we stop with the endless U-turns and legal medical escalations? First we didn't need passports, now we do! First it was one jab, now they're saying two does nothing, so you need three! Next it'll be four, five, six... Yep, that is how numbers generally escalate, yes, but nobody's actually saying that yet, Danny. And let's be honest, nobody bats an eyelid at tweaked flu vaccines every year. If our approach is to end up in a position where we have to manage COVID at an endemic level, that may well be the future we're looking at. Well, fuck that, mate. It's freedom for me. Yeah, and I get that, Danny. Funnily enough, I find all of this as 
deeply tedious and irritating as you do. But saying fuck this doesn't actually end a pandemic. Shouting for freedom feels liberating, but Covid isn't Milo Yiannopoulos. You can't just ignore it until it finally gives up and fucks off. Have you had your tonsils out, mate? What? Yeah, but I don't see what that's got to do with anything. Well, that's good, because I wouldn't want you to hurt yourself deep-throating this government. What? Are you hoping for a fucking party invite? Because I don't know if you've seen the news, pal, but this year's Downing Street bash is cancelled. And I imagine the caterers are completely out of pocket, just like thousands of others up and down the country. Oh, for fuck's sake, supporting a cautious approach to Omicron and despising this government are not mutually exclusive causes. You think I've enjoyed losing hundreds of pounds of work this month to Plan B anxiety? It's absolute bullshit that they've pulled this crap without further support for the industries directly affected by the new measures. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be taking action. Look, it's obviously shit that self-preservation and dead cat tactics are the only way to motivate Boris Johnson into acting fast and hard on mitigating the spread of Covid. But if Omicron does turn out to be as serious as its potential worst-case scenario, him shitting a brick and trying to distract us all with this crap might actually be a blessing in disguise. Fucking hell, mate. I'm surprised you haven't given yourself a hernia tying yourself up in knots on logic like that. What's more likely, exactly? That that giant bronze is genuinely concerned about a terrifying new variant or that he'll grasp at any hysteria that saves his own fucking skin and to hell with the consequences for every poor bastard that that desperation affects? I don't think anything is beyond that arsehole, Danny. I really don't. But let's not pretend that Omicron is a uniquely British problem that he's suddenly and conveniently plucked out of the air. It may well prove to be nothing. Hell, it may even turn out to be a milder variant that outcompetes Delta and actually helps us in terms of deaths. But none of that is clear yet, and it certainly isn't suggested by the early data that we've got, where milder or not, hospitalisations in South Africa are clearly going up rapidly. Ah, so you haven't actually hit the back of your throat yet, and you're simply indulging in the suck-it-and-see method with this government's big authoritarian cock. Oh, fuck you, Danny. No, fuck you, Sam. I'll not sit here and have you lecture me on how I should cower in fear. In fact, I know exactly where to go to be free of all this crap. Well, if you're looking for a place where none of the restrictions apply, I suspect there'll be a position as press secretary at number 10 opening up pretty soon. Oh, fuck that. You might want to get in bed with those assholes, but I'm off to party like it's Covid-1999. Enjoy grovelling in your dystopian hellscape, you fucking bootlicker. I'm done. I'm off. I'm Danny Sutcliffe and you'll never take my freedom. Reporting for IC News. Well, that was as insightful and reasonable as ever. We'll move on now from new Covid restrictions to the old ones, as Downing Street has been struggling with an exploding scandal over a Christmas party apparently held at number 10 at the height of last year's Tier 3 measures. Earlier this week, Allegra Stratton resigned as a result of... Coming home, lads! Ah, balls. I probably shouldn't have left that dimensional gate unlocked, but never mind. Where was I? Oh yeah, parties that the government may or may not have held, while the rest of the country grappled with draconian restrictions and suffered through the loss of thousands of its loved ones. This week has been a real masterclass in how not to suppress an embarrassing story, all thanks to the efforts of one of the many leakers that have been poking holes in the bottom of Boris Johnson's canoe for some time now. 
Those embarrassing revelations continue right here, right now, on IC News, as we have world-exclusive audio from last year's Downing Street Christmas bash, courtesy of our own Inside Man. <coughs> if I could have your attention for a moment, please. Chaps and chapesses, thank you all so much for coming. <laughs> and... Uh, Oh my, I do mean all, don't I? Downing Street hasn't been this busy since we had the decorators in, charging us by the bloody hour. Well, I say us. I haven't paid for it. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> and why should I? Nobody said I have to. Actually, about that, Prime Minister, you might want to look into that. It could be a bit, well, awkward in the future. Oh, poppycock. Why deal with tomorrow's problems today, eh? Not when there's fun to be had, my boy. Which is why we're here tonight, isn't it, everyone? That's right, it's December 18th, 2020. Outside London, maybe in Tier 3, but here in Downing Street, we're Tier Free. <laughs> Just a little joke for you there. I'm such a cheeky rapscallion. Oi, what the buggery fuck do you think you're doing, you idiot? Sorry, Prime Minister. I'm just filling out the official record of who's in attendance, of course. It's, it's rather important. Bloody hell. Give me that. How many times have I got to tell you? If you want to make it as a civil servant in my administration, you've got to stop with all this ruddy note-keeping. I was never here. Do you hear me? Ah, OK. Uh, well, I guess we can just put that in the bin with the minutes from the meeting with Randox, then. That's the spirit. Speaking of which, get me a drink, will you? Anything apart from red wine. You know, something that won't stain a sofa if I spill it. Carrie had my fucking nut-nuts last time. Um, I'm not sure fetching drinks is really in my job description, Prime Minister. And fucking the economy and raising taxes wasn't in my manifesto, you little shit. But just you wait and see. <laughs> now there's a good boy with the right attitude. Who's a horny little lapdog? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Good boy, run along now, straight under that mistletoe and see what you can bag. And remember what Daddy taught you. Always go straight for the ass. It's really going to break my heart when I have to put him down, you know. They're almost as bad as culture secretaries when it comes to lifespan. Oh, I don't know, Prime Minister. He appears remarkably resilient so far. Unfathomably so, in fact. Oh, God. Speaking of which, here comes the creepy fucker. Prime Minister, thank you so much for the invite. Yes, yes. Hello, Gavin. I must admit, after the whole, well, exams thing, I was sure you were cross at me. I thought I'd miss out on all the fun this year. But I've just watched Laura Coonsberg do a keg stand and had a lovely rave with Michael Gove. Shit, he's here, is he? Whew. You've always got to check behind you when that fucker's about. He can sneak right up on you. Et tu and all that. I must say, though, it's rather surprising that Rishi hasn't come, isn't it? Ah, yes. He did send his regards, though, Prime Minister. Uh, and a note. It's, uh... <clears throat> Obviously not, you daft twat. This is bound to come up, and it'll definitely dent my chances of taking over. Kill yourself. Love, Rishi. <laughs> Good old Sunak. Always so diplomatic. Quite. Well, if 
You'll excuse me, Prime Minister. I'm going to go and linger in a corner and play with my spider. Oh my. Is that the Valor X-28 full-depth convector gas fire? That's one of my absolute favourites. Yes, yes, fine. Go on, piss off, you little nerd. Oh, bloody hell. Who thought it was a good idea to let Patel play Twister with the civil servants? Pretty, stop it. Drop it. Drop it, girl. Honestly, what did we say? Nothing too competitive. You know how she gets. Stick to the classics like charades or pin the crisis on the migrant. I have to say, Prime Minister, do you not think this is a bit, well, busy, given the circumstances? I'm not quite sure how this gathering counts as an essential work activity, taking into account the booze and the nibbles and the fact your dad is here chasing female MPs around the tree like he's in an episode of Benny Hill. <laughs> Come here, little strap here. Daddy's got a present for you. Oh, nonsense, my boy. All the proper COVID protocols are being followed. Nudge, nudge, unit, wink, wink. Which ones exactly, though? Because I can't figure that out. And you won't have to if you just keep your mouth shut. For goodness sake, it's Christmas. Can't we just for once leave all the drama of 2020 behind and enjoy some time in a cupboard with a secretary 20 years our junior? Well, that's just precisely my point, Prime Minister. Tomorrow morning, you're going on TV to cancel Christmas and tell people to stay apart. If it gets out that Number 10 has hosted a party in breach of Tier 3 restrictions literally the night before, it could be a PR disaster. God, you're a negative Nelly, aren't you? It won't get out. And even if it does, it won't be for a while yet. And by then, this government will have won the country over completely. By delivering high-speed rail to the north, organising an orderly withdrawal from Afghanistan that results in lasting peace, negotiating a global climate agreement that won't at all be overshadowed by allegations of corruption, and absolutely sorting out those little tiny niggles we've got with Northern Ireland over Brexit. Just you wait and see. Well, as always, Prime Minister, I admire your confidence. As you should, lad. Now, where's Laura got to? I fancy a foot rub and a thorough rimming. As any self-respecting minister for levelling up or former chancellor will tell you, it's just not an illegal gathering of shameless political figures without a shitload of cocaine. Unfortunately for them, though, it appears that the British government has finally had enough of drugs. At the start of the week, the Tories announced their bold new plan for tackling drug abuse in this country, and it sounded worryingly familiar. Alison June-Smith has been travelling the multiverse this week, and she's here to explain why. Drugs. Whether you swallow them, smoke them, snort them, or put them directly up your ass like a gentleman, there's no denying that they are everywhere. From pubs to clubs to just about every toilet in the Houses of Parliament, drugs are very much a part of modern life. Whether it's the coked-up stag do making every late-night train journey and comedy club audience a living nightmare, or the stoner next door giggling his way through a bucket of KFC and an eight-hour session of Super Smash Brothers, Britain fucking loves drugs. And hey, I don't judge you. I'm Canadian, for Christ's sake. We go through more edibles than Pac-Man. Also, our national dish is poutine. You don't put cheese curds on chips and gravy unless you're pretty fucking baked. 
Now, you might have blinked and missed it, but in the middle of the firestorm over illegal Christmas parties, there were some actual policy announcements from our government this week. And one of them was very much concerned with Britain's drug problem. Before he found himself engulfed in the 427th scandal of his leadership on Monday, Boris Johnson joined the police in Merseyside on an early morning drugs bust. First, they dressed him up in a tactical vest and a beanie hat that made him look like peak 90s Brian Harvey had got himself stuck inside a burst mattress. Then the prime minister did his best to look solemn and serious, like the new sheriff in town here to fix the drug crisis. He instead, of course, looked like a total moron. But hey, I guess at least he got to pick up Michael Gove's secret Santa present from the back of the evidence van at the end of the raid. The embarrassing photo op was meant to provide a fitting visual for the government's new drug policy. And in a way, it kind of did. Because their new approach is to essentially redress the same old, ineffective ideas in a shit new outfit that tries to look tough and instead comes across as posturing nonsense. The right-wing press played its part with aggressive headlines about Boris Johnson's new war on drugs— But the simple fact is that the war on drugs has never worked. Prohibition has never been an effective tool for tackling society's excesses, and drugs are no exception. We've been criminalizing possession and punishing drug users for decades now, and all that's changed is that drugs are now more available than ever before. Tory drug policy in the UK has always been about talking and acting tough on drugs and ignoring the evidence of what actually works. Conservative voters have traditionally always seen drug abuse and addiction as questions of personal responsibility, uh, moral failures that deserve punishing, and our politicians have spent decades making political hay out of that blinkered viewpoint. But the simple fact is that time and time again, it's been shown that treatment programs and decriminalizing drug use are far more efficient ways of tackling the problems it causes. Just look at Portugal as an example. By removing criminal penalties for personal possession of all drugs back in 2001 and redirecting the money spent on enforcing drug laws into public health, they have transformed the narrative. Portugal now enjoys not only a lower number of drug deaths than the EU average, but lower overall figures for drug use as well. And that's not to say that the country has become a pill-popping, blunt-smoking, coke-in-the-asshole-free-for-all. Possession is now a civic offense in Portugal, meaning you can still get your stash confiscated and may face a fine or community service, but you won't get hit with the damaging criminal record and all the stigma that follows it. That's had a huge impact on the makeup of their prison population, too, with problem drug users redirected instead into treatment programs to support them and keep them away from crime. There are some small glimmers of that evidence-based thought in the U.K. government's new strategy. When it comes to Britain's 300,000 problem drug users, the ones caught in the spirals of addiction and criminal behavior, there was some new money promised for similar treatment programs, many of which were previously cut to the bone during austerity. But that sensible news was overshadowed by worrying proclamations about new laws that would come down hard on casual, middle-class drug users. 
That includes the threat of new punishments, like confiscating passports or removing other civil liberties. Whichever way you cut it, threatening to take anyone's passport and freedoms away is some deeply sinister shit. And the start of a slippery slope where that punishment can be extended to other offenses. What's more, in a week that also saw the reveal that 12 locations inside the House of Commons itself tested positive for cocaine in a single evening, it rings as more than a little hypocritical. Why the fuck should any of us accept medieval new drug punishments when our politicians are clearly enjoying their own sort of white Christmas? It's clear that a Britain with a truly 21st century drugs policy, rather than this reheated Tory bullshit, would benefit from a more compassionate and pragmatic approach. With the conservative obsession with the perceived evils of drug use, however, it's hard to believe that our politicians will ever actually extend that compassion. They prefer instead to play off the fantasy of a liberal Britain consumed entirely by drugs where legalization would destroy society and turn the nation into a crime-riddled hellhole. But is that paranoid fantasy even remotely realistic? I've come here to find out. This is Earth Whiskey. Ease are good 420. Here, drugs of every description are not just legal. They're fucking mandatory. As a direct result of Sean Ryder winning the 2016 general election, every British citizen receives a care package of uppers, downers, hallucinogenics, and edibles each and every week. And the milkman drops off weed with your morning pint of milk. I've been here for three days, and to be honest, I really haven't seen anything that's that different to a standard Friday night back on Earth Prime. Oh, but having said that, I can see a guy staggering down the street towards me right now who's clearly higher than any human being I've ever met. Oh my god, Danny, is that you? Allison, what the fuck are you doing here? What am I doing here? What are you doing here? Me? I'm avoiding Omicron, obviously. And nobody's plan being me. I'm going to a Christmas party. But don't tell Sam, because he's being a right mad little cunt today. He can find out in a year or so, when all of this has blown over. <laughs> Bye-bye now, pretty little talking unicorn lady. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's getting like a tiny from a waterfall. Well, I guess that settles it. Even in a world where just about everything is legal and there is compassion for all, there will always be at least one guy who is completely beyond help. Where's my keys? I'm Allison June Smith, and I'm definitely checking out the duty-free in this universe. Reporting for IC News. Right, so that's where he got to. Oh, well, could have been worse. Allison's report brings us to the end of our investigation, and as you can clearly see, we've concluded that we did in fact do nothing wrong and at no point were any of the rules against social gatherings broken. I consider that to be the end of the matter. Now please stop looking into it and go away. But before you do, we'll be back the same time next week, and until then, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. 
Scientists identify a grapeseed extract that prolongs the life of mice by up to 10% in the lab. Boris Johnson is said to have a personal interest in the research, as anything that prolongs the political lifespan of absolute vermin is currently his top priority. The prosecution over in the US rests its case in a sex trafficking trial of Ghislaine Maxwell. The former socialite and confidant of billionaire paedophile Jeffrey Epstein is yet to point the finger directly at any of his wealthy co-conspirators, although Prince Andrew has reportedly retroactively booked out the Pizza Express in Woking every night for the last 15 years. When defending the Downing Street Christmas party fiasco, Dominic Raab says the police don't tend to investigate crimes that may have happened a year ago. Thanks to Tory cuts, however, they also don't tend to investigate crimes that happened yesterday either. And finally, a British man is attacked by a pack of angry otters in a Singapore park. According to the victim, as he fell to the ground and the vicious group set upon him, his vision grew darker and darker. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye. me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of me van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.